Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. The Bible has something to do and has something to say about teaching us to be fighters. And I want to pay, talk about that today. And subtitle is, and learning how to stay off the rocks. So I'm absolutely grateful for God's mercy and grace, aren't you? These are God's gifts to us to help us enjoy an abundant life or his way of helping us change into his likeness and thereby enjoying a much better joy-filled life. That's God's way of doing that. That's, I don't, I'm not sure that people fully understand that that's God's intent for us. God wants us to be happy. He doesn't want to see us beaten down and trudging under a, a God who is demanding and pushy and controlling. No, God wants us to experience the fullness of joy. This Christian journey comes as we've experienced it in many stages. The first part is us, of course, finding God finding us in our brokenness and our desperate need, and we turn to him and accept that free gift of salvation in his son and that powerful forgiveness that just overpours into our life, uh, uh, is pouring out into our life. Then we enter a journey of what we call sanctification or the work of the Holy Spirit who's going deeper into the areas of our brokenness and need. We all understand that. That's not always the most comfortable part of, of this process, but it will definitely last us, and this is key. It's going to last us our entire lives, but it takes cooperation. Have you figured that out? The more we embrace our great need, recognize it, and are honest with ourselves, the more we're going to receive this grace that God provides and the power to change. See, this is biblical. In 1 Peter 5.5, 5, Peter's telling us that God resists the proud, but he pours out his grace to those who will humble themselves. Matter of fact, it tells us that he resists. In other words, he stands in our way in order that we might find the place where we can grow. I think we can all say that this journey is very hard. Amen? I mean, there's none of us who can stand up and say that this Christian walk has been a piece of cake. It's a fight every single day. And of course, sure, it doesn't have to be. And yes, there are days when we see the smoke is clearing and we have respite from this battle, but then the next day comes and the battle wages on again. And being a Christ follower, as we have learned, is, it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. And I, and I think anybody who, who sells us that or comes to the pulpit uh, or writes a book teaching us otherwise are just not being honest. It takes constant dying to ourselves. The moment we think we have pride whipped, we get proud of our lack of pride. Oh dear, where are we in there? Paul of the Bible is an expert teacher on spiritual warfare and spiritual growth. In writing to Timothy, in his first letter, he shares a powerful set of truths from which we can glean this morning. So that's where I want to start in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 18 and 19. If you have your, have your Bibles, you can turn, or we'll have it up on the screen today. It says, 1 Timothy 1, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and, and so have shipwrecked, I'm sorry, and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. 
So Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's sharing some advice. And I love this relationship between Paul and Timothy because it's intimate. It's, 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 um, there's familiarity there. Timothy is Paul's disciple and in some ways a spiritual father. We're going to talk about that a little bit. So he gives him some very strong advice here. And I'm going to break it down in four pieces that I think this morning we can walk away. When we think in terms of, of fighting, here's Paul saying, look, Timothy, you're, going to, you're, you're, you're in a battle. You're a young man. And you're a, you've been dropped into a culture that is completely broken. It has rejected God. And we're probably quickly approaching a very similar kind of atmosphere that Timothy had to grow up in. And so here he gives them some very excellent advice. So let's break it down. First of all, he starts off by saying, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command. Paul has a place in his life, and he's saying, look, I have been given to you as a spiritual authority. He's his pastor. He's a personal pastor. And more than that, what we know a little bit about Timothy's experience is that somewhere along the line, he, he, he lost his father. We don't know if maybe he was a soldier and he died in battle, being a Roman citizen. We don't really know what happens to his father, but as uh, Paul comes along with Lois, his grandmother, he adopts, in, in a sense, a relationship with Timothy, he be, Timothy, and he begins to disciple him. Probably comes on the scene when he's a very, very young boy. And he shows interest in saying, you know, I, I see the call of God on his life. And he begins to speak into his life. He begins to disciple him whenever the opportunity comes. And he's saying some things. So he starts off by taking a place of authority in, Paul's, in Timothy's life by saying, listen, I'm giving you a command. Now, in, the, in our culture today, when we hear the word command, that doesn't always sit right, does it? Matter of fact, we always, we always just think in, in terms of the military or stop, pull the car over, I'm getting ready to give you a ticket, that kind of thing. But no, Paul is talking about something we call spiritual authority. A spiritual authority that has been given to Paul from Timothy's heart. It's a relationship that is very, very powerful, and Paul knows it. So Paul is not forcing himself upon Timothy in any way. This is a relationship where Paul is is looking to Timothy as a father, a spiritual father, in many ways as a pastor. And what he's, so what I see here, and I think what Paul is, is, is trying to establish for us here, is that it's important for every one of us to get counsel and wisdom, to recognize the spiritual authorities in our life. So that's the first bit of advice I want to give you today, and what I feel like we can get here, is we need, need to listen to spiritual authority if we're going to fight this fight. Because it's a tough one. God has placed someone in our corner Ding, 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 we come out into the fight. And we've got somebody over in there in the corner. But it, the truth is there's so many of us that are going out into life and we're fighting spiritual battles and we got no one in our corner. Oh, you say, well, I've got God. I've got God in my corner. Uh, sometimes we're not even listening to him. But more often than not, than not, God has reserved a tremendous amount of wisdom and counsel. He's dropped into the hearts of people that is going to be transferred to you. And often it comes through someone that you look to as a spiritual authority. Somebody that you've given the place to speak into your life. Authority is a very, very powerful principle. I would love to preach on this, a whole series on spiritual authority. And one day I might. But the truth is here, folks, in these days, it is more important than 
than probably any other time for people to get under authority, to get into a place of spiritual authority where we're listening. The days are ending for the lone, the, 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 the rogue warrior, the lone wolf, the individual fighter that goes out on his own and tries to conquer the world. Uh-uh. Not going to win this war doing that. No way. So we know Paul was a spiritual father, and we need to listen to the captains that God places in our life because they're going to give us wisdom. They're going to see things. They're going to know parts of our, our, our life. They're going to know the, the story as we've let them into our lives, and they're going to give us wisdom that a lot of times we know inherently, but we're not always listening to because of pride. And so here Paul, he, he enters into this relationship, but starting off by saying, I give you this command. Wow, Paul, that's a little, that's a little heavy. But it's because of the relationship they have. It's because it's an important thing for him to understand. Look, I'm not talking about just saying, hey, I'm giving you this advice. I'm giving you this little tip. Bing. No, no, no. I'm giving you a command. I'm telling you, Timothy, you need to listen to what I'm telling you, which goes to our next point. Why? What, what is he appealing to when we talk about biblical authority? And that is our next point. But before I get there, I want to say this. The opposite of being submitted to authority is a very obvious thing called rebellion. And rebellion comes as a result of pride. Rebellion was the first sin. Of course, pride was the first sin. But the result of that sin was rebellion, going right back to Satan himself. Satan is under the authority. He rises up and he says, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to, I'm going to take his place. I don't need him anymore. And then he goes out and he steps out from under that, and God, of course, has to judge it. And we'll talk about that in our upcoming series. But rebellion is what we're supposed to take away. We're supposed to understand that rebellion is death. It's just death. It's spiritual death. And, of course, could end up in physical death. Christian, I'm telling you right now, if you're going to fight well in these days, you need to get under authority, spiritual authority, good healthy spiritual authority. You need to have people speaking into your life. You need people that you can come and open up your heart and say, okay, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm doing. And it's interesting that when, when, when people come up to me as a pastor, sometimes they come up and they're, gonna, they're, they're coming up and say, look, I want to talk to you. I, I want to ask you some questions. Okay, great. You know, shoot. And then they go on to tell me, instead of just asking me questions, they tell me the answers. This is what I've decided to do. And I'm just sitting there. Okay. Well, have a nice day. Glad we have this talk. Only find out that they've decided on so many things. And really what people are doing these days when they're not under authority is that they're looking to, for somebody to verify their decisions, not to help them make one. You understand what I'm, find, what I'm saying here? And so sometimes that means you have to be willing for somebody to step across or plow right through your field with something that doesn't make you feel very good, which is exactly why Paul tells Timothy, I'm commanding you, Timothy. You need to listen to what I'm telling you because you know I love you, you know I'm for you, and I'm gonna give you some spiritual advice that is very, very crucial to your success. Timothy would be a fool to just say, well, who are you, Paul? Well, it was only... 
a very, very, very critical uh, part of his life. Spiritual authority, very, very important. He. You know, subtle rebellion in the heart of a Christian is going to put you on the rocks in your faith in God faster than you can say Bob's your uncle, for sure. Number two, the second bit of advice that Paul has here for Timothy is he says, keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So he appeals to something. He says, I have a spiritual authority, but I want to to call you to something here. Timothy, you have a call on your life. I was there to hear it. Now, whether Paul is the one that prophesied this, or whether there was a prophet that, that spoke this over Timothy, or whether Timothy received this himself by reading the scripture and came to Paul and said, man, this is what I feel like God is telling me to do. Paul knew what it was. And so he says, Timothy, you need to stay on track. And, and so we don't really, we don't know what the conversation is, but he's appealing to that conversation. He's appealing to this wonderful piece of advice that came from the very heart of God. Really, it was a call. It was a vision. It's a prophetic destiny. And so he's saying, look, you got to, in keeping with what God has spoken over you, now see, that's where spiritual authority and wisdom from the heart of God really come together. And I'll tell you why. So in your life, you go and you share that with your spiritual leader. Maybe it's your pastor or an elder. And you say, this is what God told me. And they can say, okay, good. I'm locking that off in my heart. Maybe it's like, I'm not going to marry someone until I'm, I know exactly who this person is going to be. And I know that they're going to be a believer and that their heart is for God. And they're going in a similar direction. And you tell that to someone and they say, got it. I know how to pray for you. I know how to cover you. I know how to walk with you. So that when you come up and say, hey, look, I got a totally different plan, and I think, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, I command you right now that you don't need to be walking in that direction because I know what you had determined in your heart. I know what God spoke to you, and so I'm appealing to the word of God, the prophetic destiny. Watch out for that. Don't, no, 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 no. You're, man, you're going a, a 180 here. You're in a danger zone, baby. And so that's what he's, he's doing. He's saying, look, I'm, I'm appealing to you, Timothy, to live your life in sync with the plan of God for your life. And that's the second thing we can take, take away. Is, folks, live in sync with God's plan for your life. You want to stay off the rocks? You know, the ship, it goes out to sea. Now, the ship, sailing ships of old, you know, they only could go in you know, certain directions with the wind. They didn't really learn the art of, of, of all the different scientific and abilities of doing what we do now with the modern sail until much later. So they had to kind of just go with the wind. So if you changed your course and just said, I wouldn't really want to go that way, and you moved your sails where there's no wind, the waves take you. You go with whatever is being, is, is being driven, very much like the culture of this world. When we no longer have our sails catching the wind of the Holy Spirit, living in sync with what God is doing, then we're just going to be driven by what else is just happening. And where do we end up? On the rocks. Because that's where the waves are going to take you. All the waves go to the land. 
all the waves end up somewhere where you don't want to be. It's only the wind that conquers the waves. So, living in sync with God's plan. Set your sails to catch his wind. You're going to go a whole lot faster in a joyful direction when you're going with God's plan. So that's exactly what Paul does to Timothy. He says, look, I'm appealing to what we both know God said over your life, Timothy. I've got that place to speak into it, and now I'm appealing to that plan. Now, that could be very specific. The determination, the choices you've made in your heart, things you've heard from God, and you've shared that with someone else, an elder, a pastor, a friend, a close person that you've given a part of your moms and dads, young people to moms and dads. What has God been speaking to you, son? Well, God showed me this. Amen, let's pray over this. Now, I've got that. I am protecting that, and I'm gonna help you stay on that course because we're now going to appeal to the will of God, not just what has happened lately, not is what is the coming fad or with the fancy of your soul, because your soul is going to be driven by the waves. It's just going to be. Our soul is so easily overtaken by the passions of this age. The only way we conquer passions, according to Timothy chapter 2, is by the grace of God only, and that's God's power. Left to ourselves, folks, we make big messes. So Paul, he mentions those prophecies. He's got a solid biblical prophetic direction that's going to help him when the dark days come. So I'm not talking about living, you know, for your next meal. I'm not talking about your next vacation or your next weekend. Because, see, that's where a lot of Christians and human beings live is just basically on the short term. In other words, we only want to catch just just enough wind to get us just a little bit down. But that's not the way we're supposed to live, my friends. We're supposed to live tapped into an eternal destiny. It begins with the end. It begins with heaven. And you back up from there. So it begins with knowing where you're going. See, it's not preached nearly enough. I have a funny feeling it's coming, but heaven is not preached nearly enough. It's a solid, powerful, biblical doctrine that should dominate our thinking every day. Heaven is our destination. Heaven is the solution. I don't hear a lot of amens. And you know why? It's because I don't think you know what heaven really is. We're going to see it. Andrea just went to see her her her, uh, piano teacher, professor of many years, who just passed away on Friday. It was a very tough thing for her to walk through. But she she went to see her and made sure that she was going to heaven. Eternity lives in our hearts when we watch death. Death should always remind us of eternal life for the believer. And it should remain there in, in, in just a quiet, conquering confidence. It's just like it washes everything away. Man, when things, I mean, I hope you do this because when things get tough for me, when I'm feeling like, man, I can't handle it anymore, or I just, the unknown is just too overwhelming for me, I just say, heaven, yeah. Not that I want to go there any sooner than I need to because I've got responsibilities here. Got to make sure those babies get to where they got to go. Got to make sure you all get to where you got to go. Live in sync. Live in sync and live beyond the short term. 
you're going to fight a good fight, you've got to think of the victory. Every, it's not in my notes, but every warrior who thinks about just going to the next foxhole is not fighting a good fight. A warrior fights a good fight when they say, I want victory. I want to be over there. I want to have, I want to be on the land of the enemy. I want to take all his stuff. I want to win. That's the only way you fight. There's not a single football team coming up here real soon, hallelujah, that is going to, that is going to run onto that field thinking, well, we just might win today. No, man, you see them in the huddles. They're out of their mind excited about victory. That's how we should live our life. Victory. Living in sync with God's plan for our life. Starting with heaven and then backing up and saying, okay, God, since I'm not there yet, what do you want me to do here with a kingdom mentality? You see, that's a whole lot more than just, when's the next vacation? Where's my next meal? Who's God going to bring into my life? Am I going to win this game or am I going to win this game? See? Thirdly, Paul goes on. He says, once in these prophecies, he said, so that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well, yes, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Hmm. Seems like to me, Paul throws those out, man. They got a lot of meaning to them. Timothy knew what he was talking about. So I'm going to do my best to unpack that a little bit because Paul has talked about faith and a good conscience in other areas. I think I got it. Of course, we're going to get to that. I'm, I'm skipping ahead. Number three, he talks about living like a soldier. And I'm, I'm going to skip over this one quick, quickly. But he says, learn to live like a soldier. And it was, in other words, to fight the good fight. Paul appeals to analogies. And this is one of them that he does quite often, talking about being a soldier. Now, Christians, we tend to just not want to do that. We tend to just say, well, I don't want to be in a war and battle. and I don't want to get into all that. I mean, because people die in that. Christian... You are in a battle. I'm sorry. War is upon you. It's either you get ready for the battle or the battle is going to take you. You either fight the good fight or you lose. You've got to fight. Wish I could tell you differently. But the problem is we just can't change reality. The life, the life that we're living in is not a game. It's a life or death battle. And there are rocks all around, in, around us. And if we're not careful... <clears throat> we're going to get hung up on them at any time. The devil is playing for, creep, uh, for keeps. He's playing for creeps too. But anyway, he's, 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 he's playing for keeps. And my pastor used to tell me it's always open season on Christians. Always open season. There's no season. It's always, I mean, the devil's always looking to put a target on you. So we've got to learn to live like a, four, a, a, a soldier and soldier on. And what do soldiers do? They keep their weapons sharp. Soldiers live with a constant awareness of battle, being ready at any given time to be called into battle. Finally, fourthly, we've got to hold on to faith and a good conscience. I started that one. So let's look at what is faith? What is he talking about here? faith and a good conscience. First of all, we know that faith is belief. And when it comes to all the battles you and I face, it's going to require a personal relationship with Christ where you're able to trust God to help you with the most impossible scenarios. Last week, we had a number of girls here. 
<clears throat> it, was on very, it, was dis- it was on display, was it not? And sometimes it's good to get a bucket of cold water thrown in our faces to show us the reality. Did you all see the commonalities, if you, if you were here, in their testimonies? What was a lot of it? It was, I grew up in a church. Did that one catch you? Yeah, I mean, to the point where we spent a good portion of our elders meeting talking about that. What's happening? What's going on? Which is, of course, brought a lot of this passion that I'm sharing with you today, is that, folks, the truth is, without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we are going to be so quickly, we're going to so quickly be casualties in this battle, it, it, we're just going to be on the sideline. We're going to be struggling. And I, and I think that so many believers today are in that category. And it's not to say that we, can, you know, that we have to stay there. And, and, and this is not all about us being in a place where we in any way, shape, or form feel that we have to. No, I'm encouraging. I'm, 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 my heart is like Paul's today to just say, come on, you don't have to stay there. You say, I've got mountains in my life. Well, we know about mountains. Faith, the kind of faith that Paul is talking, appealing to, he says, you got to hold on to the faith and keep growing in faith, ultimately just trusting God for the impossible scenarios that are going to come. We all have a few of those, don't we? And they will not be conquered by you just saying, ignoring them. They just get bigger. But the kind of faith Paul is talking about is the kind of faith that moves mountains or obstacles in your life. The cry for help absolutely needs an answer, requires an answer, and God's going to answer it. But a lot of times, our cry is just to the world. Our cry is just to the air. Our cry is just to anyone except God. But a personal relationship with God, when we're we're walking with him and we get into a bind, we get into a struggle, something that's overwhelming, we, we cry out to him in relationship. And we say, Lord, would you please come? Would you pick up this mountain and would you throw it into the sea? See, Jesus, when he talked about that, he wasn't giving us a magic formula. He was telling this is what happens for those who believe, who put their hope and trust in God. Secondly, well, how faith, the kind of faith to create mountains. I'm backing off here a, a little bit on my preaching because I realize I've got to do this two more times, so... So I'm trying to pace myself here a little bit. All right. But I'm excited on the inside anyway. Also having faith to create mountains. In other words, to live on the high ground. When it comes to battles, folks, we've got to get to the high ground. See, mountains are not always a bad thing. They're a bad thing when they're in your way. They're a good thing when you need to get up there so that you can look on top of everything and say, bring it on, I got the high ground. And we all know, militarily speaking, that high ground, man, that's everything. Smaller force can defeat a bigger force because you're on the high ground. And, 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 and faith to create mountains, to, 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 to rise up right, up under your under, right under your feet. And only God can do that. Faith to walk and to change that you could never see happening in your life. God can do it. We can win this battle we're facing if we're willing to do it God's way. So Paul is here appealing to Timothy. He says, look, I command you to keep with the prophecies once made about you. 
And that by recalling them, in other words, living according to them, by believing them, walking in them, you're going to be able to fight the battle well as a soldier. Holding on. Isn't it interesting? He's saying you've got to hold on to faith in a good conscience. And he says some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Faith in operation, faith in general. In other words, the faith or the journey of a Christian. Then they're no longer effective as Christians because making poor decisions, abandoning, giving up on God. And just saying, I mean, I've, I don't know. Jamie, you know this. How many people have come to you and just say, I just can't do it. I mean, I've had drug dealers come to me and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I know it's wrong, but I just can't see past it. I don't know how to pay the bills other than keep doing what I'm doing. And I just look at him and just say, my friend, it's time to walk in faith. It's time for you to trust in the living God. Because, see, we can't see what's over the horizon. We got to trust we got to trust the map. <laughs> we got to trust the one who holds the map. And when he says there's an island over there or there's a place we're supposed to go, we need to trust him and just say, I don't feel it. I don't feel that there's land over there, so I want to go that way. Then you go around in circles and circles and circles and perish in the sea. So faith. You know, that song, Jesus, take the wheel. Most Christians are singing, Jesus, take the trunk. You know what I'm saying? You just get all the way in the back of my life because I don't want you taking the wheel. And Jesus takes the wheel means he takes everything. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, Jesus has to take the wheel of your life. You say, I don't see that. Oh, I see it perfectly clear. He says, by living according to the prophecies once made about you. What he's saying, it's code for, Timothy, we both know what God has called you to do. Whether it be in specific or whether it be in general. Christian, you know what you're called to do. You're called to be salt, to change this world. You're called to be light, to shine brightly, and let your light so shine before men that they give glory to God. Do you need any more instruction, my friends? Live your life according to the plan and the purpose of God. Finally, good conscience. Paul is referring to his instruction he made earlier to Timothy. Let's look at it. Now, this is where it's going to get a little uncomfortable. But it's okay. Hang in there. Earlier in the chapter, Paul is, is tapping into something here. When he talks about a good conscience, he is, he's making reference to about what? What would give me a bad conscience? Well, he wrote it for us. Let's look at it. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and the rebels. Those who are not walking under God's care or protection or authority. The ungodly and the sinful. The unholy and irreligious. For those who kill their fathers or mothers. For murderers. For the sexually immoral. For those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers. Folks, everything I just mentioned there is happening today. I mean, 10 years if I'd read this list, I would have said, well, I don't, what about slavery? I don't know that. 
slavery is still in existence. The slave trade of, of young girls is alive and, and, and moving and, and terribly functioning. My pastor is a part of exposing this in a, in a, gla- a global uh, way. But liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine, whatever else has been created in this, in this culture, he kind of covers it all, doesn't he? That conforms to the gospel. Or in other words, it, I'm sorry, go back. For whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. In other words, the law helps us to know what is evil and bad for us what, and what is good for us. See, people want to cast off the law and this whole antinomian movement. And there have been people talking about the law, talking about the law, and they told me, and I just want to say, would you please just stop? You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand that the law was not meant to be done away with. It continues to clarify for us what is evil and what is good. When we talk about love, and this is, I'm going to go off today. When we talk about love, because I see Christians getting on Facebook, and I think, well, love is love. Isn't love love? Yeah, if you understand what love is, love is also saying no. Love is also saying stop. How many here have had someone come into into your life and say they loved you but then stole something from you? Love is love. I got to say heaven no to that one. Mm -mm. It's not. Not at all. The point is the law helps us to define. When, when, when Paul and Jesus talked about love, Paul in specific, when he talked about love, what he said, when you walk in the law of Christ and you understand the love of God through Christ, you will fulfill the law. Because when you, law, when you love someone in Christ, you're not going to defraud them sexually. You're not going to lie to them. You're not going to murder them. You're not going to steal from them. Do you get it? Okay. So enough of this nonsense about love is love. All right? Enough of that. I've just read Bible to you. It helps us to know what is the godly path and what does a good conscience look like. What does a good conscience look like? I'm not done with you yet. A good conscience is a person who is free from hatred and rebellion and irreligious and unholy thinking. When they go out there into the desert and do the, uh, the burning man, it's a mockery of God. It's a mockery of God. <clears throat> those, who, excuse me, those who kill their fathers and mothers for murders. We saw some murder this past week. We've been watching murders take place over this last year. Sexual immorality that now people are beginning to embrace at a different level in marriage and all those kind of things and and Christians are being swept away into thinking, but I'm sorry, the law is there to help us define what is sin and what is not. Does this list seem a little confusing to you? Me either. (laughs) It's not confusing. It's pretty clear. A good conscience is going to help us win the battle because We have what? 
Because you're saying, why does Paul throw good conscience into this whole fight? Because when you have a good conscience, your faith grows. Notice they go hand in hand. It's hard to have faith in God when you're holding on to sin in your heart. It's hard to say, ask God for anything when you know inside that there's a quiet rebellion going on. And so you can only live in that, that zone so long before you either give up on God and just walk away, which happens a lot, or you surrender and say, I can't, can't live this way anymore. I love God, but I love this sin. One of them's got to go. And so it's going to be the sin. So Lord, right now, I ask you to crucify that. I ask you to come. And, and, and remove this from me. I, I want to submit to your sanctifying work. I want to submit to you your grace that will teach me to say no to this over and over again, even if it's just a, a strong battle at first, to, to remove the strongholds that this has created in my life. It comes with surrender. A good conscience is going to help us win the battle because we have confidence in God. We know that we are not fighting alone because then when we know that God has got us, that Jesus has taken the wheel, and he is, to, he is can fully in control of the path of my life. Man, talk about peace. When a person is convicted of sin and does not repent, they almost immediately go into what I call soul hiding, and they're going to begin to shrivel. One lost battle after another. And nothing sadder than watching someone in full retreat running. But when we hold on to faith in Christ and maintain a clean conscience, we can fight like no other. And we will win battle after battle after battle. The enemy will come at us from one direction. He's going to flee in many. Completely routed. So we want to stay off the rocks, my friends. Then we need to listen to the advice of Timothy, of Paul here. He's saying, look, I gotta, I, I'm calling your attention to the fact that You've got to work in sync with the spiritual leadership, which is, I, I didn't go in to say this, but I, I will finish with this. Folks, that's why being a part of a local church is so critical. I know it's broken, and I know we're not perfect, and I know we don't always smell good, and we don't always fit exactly the way it's all gonna, the way we'd like it to be, and it doesn't, we don't always do the kind of stuff we really want to do, and it doesn't, I understand that. But it's the safest place to be these days. <laughs> Under the covering of God, the thing. God has not given up in his church, nor will he ever, until he comes back and, and takes over. But we need to be there in that safe place, listening, listening to the word of God, listening to sound doctrine, living in sync with the plan that God has for our life. And if you don't know what that plan is, we'll help you find it. You need to go to uh, Pastor Jamie's class. When we talk about next step, that's how you find it. What is your next step? What is your next step? We'll help you find it. And then live, you know, living like a soldier, man, that's, that's important. So many want to just say, la, 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 I don't want to, I'm just pretending this is not going on. I just want to, you know, I just want to, and, and I see a lot of Christians in retreat these days, not because they have an unclean conscience, but they just don't want to fight anymore. And, and we can all identify with that. So like, this is just too big for me. And believe me, there are days when I see what goes on in the news and I just throw, you know, I just push the computer away and just say, I, I don't want to hear anymore. I'm done with this. Jesus, you can, come, you can come back any day now. So can you please come? 
<clears throat> and he says, well, not yet, David. I need you to keep fighting. I need you to keep fighting until you see me come over in the eastern sky and then you can drop your weapons because I'll take it from there. But until that day, Christian, if you're shipwrecked today, if you're on the rocks, you don't have to stay there. If you're struggling and battling with sin in your life, you've embraced certain thinking. You've been duped into this whole guilt trip thing that's being poured out upon us right now. If you've been duped into thinking that popular culture that hedonism is okay, and that we've got this quasi-Christian thing going on, and that you can bite into that. You will be the loser. You're going to scratch the ticket, and it says zero. Period. No hope in it. Not that I, I need to make any more lottery references, but anyway. <laughs> Trying to help people understand. So we can finish with this today. Folks, we need to come to our Savior. We need to come to the one who can help us, the one who wants to fill our sails and get us moving again. But all we have to do is turn the sails. We need to unfurl them, which is a step of faith. We need to say, God, would you come and blow into the wind of my life? I need to get under the authority of your protection. I need to come and, and listen to the advice and counsel that people have to me. I need to let them hear what my plans are and let them help me sort it out. Is this a God thing or is it not a God thing? Is this steeped in pride and rebellion or is this a, built on the prophetic path of God? But it all starts right now with a choice. Do you need God or don't you? Because you know what? As a church, I do not endorse in any way, shape, or form you know, to punish people who have chosen to go a different way. If you're stuck on the rocks, all I can do is come by on my little John boat and just say, hey, look, get on. Let me just get you out. Let's start over. We'll get you a new ship. We'll get this thing, but get on. But how many people just sit there and say, no, man, we're good. Everything's fine. Okay. And as you, as you kind of paddle away, you say, you're not going anywhere. You are stuck on the rocks. Your ship is destroyed. So get on. So let's do that today. Let's get on the boat, shall we? Let's all stand up this morning. If I could have our prayer teams please come. I'm going to finish. We could all just bow our heads and close our eyes. Right now, let's just come to Jesus. Let's come to him, the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus. He started this thing. He's going to finish this thing. And I love the idea when, when we think of a finisher in other words, he, he refines it like a carpenter. He polishes us. He refines us to the point of not just carnal usage or ordinary usage. No, no, no. He wants us to be used for extraordinary things. And as the refiner's fire, as the, the, the one who finishes us, he can do that. So it doesn't matter 
where you are in your journey. You may have been at high seas with a, your sails just completely full and going forward, standing there out on the, on the prow of God's pathway for your life. God says we can always do more. We can always go faster. We can always refine the direction. But before we pray, you may be in this room today. And if you're not for certain that, I mean, you know that you're on the rocks in your life. You've come here today, and you're not for certain that if you died tonight that you would go to heaven. You heard me speak of heaven, and you're not sure of heaven. If that's your gift, if that's your destination. The Bible says that the, it, it is written that you might know that you have eternal life, that you have this confidence. So please don't leave today without accepting the free gift of, of coming to God and knowing for certain. And this is not something you have to do week after week. We don't get resaved and resaved. No, no, you come to him. You receive the gift and the gift is yours. So if you're in this room today and you'd like to give your life to Christ, would you raise your hand up with no one looking around to give your life to Christ? Yes. Yes, I see your hand there. Anyone else? This young man over here. Yep. Anyone else? Raise your hand up. I'll pray for you. Lord, we pray for this one right now in the name of Jesus. That, Lord, you just would overwhelm them with your love the real love, the love that doesn't just say, I'm okay, you're okay. It's the love that will gather you up and take you from your place of being stuck in brokenness and put you on a pathway to vision, fulfillment, purpose, and peace in your heart. So right where you are, just say, Jesus, would you come into my life? I invite you to be my Savior. I accept your free gift of salvation. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Take charge now. I confess my need for you. I also confess my sin. And ask you to wash me clean by your blood. In your precious name. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we have a starter kit on the stage. Before you leave today, please take that box. Take it with you. Inside is a Bible. There's instructions what you can do. Take it back there to Pastor Jamie in our Connection Center. Show him what you're doing, the choice you're making today. He'll help you take your next step. Lord, for the rest of us, as we prepare to leave, right now, God, we just unfurl our, 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 uh, our sails right now. Holy Spirit, would you blow upon us? Would you make the course corrections that we need right now? We want to get under your authority. We want to listen to advice. We need counsel. Whether it be from your word or a loving brother or sister to come into our life and help us. Lord, if, if we're on the wrong path right now, God, would you come and speak the word? Make that course adjustment. God, we want to live in sync with you. Lord, if there are dreams and visions and plans in the hearts of your people that have since died and have, and have begun to molder because... Lord, we, we don't look to them anymore. God, forgive us. May that all be dusted off and brought to prominence once again. Lord, we, we, we want to set, Lord, our prow into your purposes right now. 
And Lord, I ask you right now, if there are sins that are operating in our life, I ask right now, God, would you forgive us and wash us clean? Lord, would you restore to us, God, a clean conscience? Lord, to remove from us, God, the guilt and the shame of sin. Lord, we know that what you have determined, that the law helps us understand what is sin and what is not. Lord, we're not confused on that front. And if we are, Holy Spirit, would you help us? Lord, would we give up those lies of the enemy that says that walking in a particular sin is okay? We ask you to forgive us right now and to break that stronghold over our mind that, Lord, our conscience might be released and and in would flow the, the precious joy of the Lord, which is our strength that'll enable us to rise up with a new warrior spirit. Lord, to go forth into whatever you called us to do. Faith, God, a good conscience, a clean conscience. Boldly going, God, where you call us to go. Father, we thank you today. Lord, bless us and keep us and make your face shine upon us today, Lord. Fill our sails and may we walk forward now, God, with a fresh confidence. And just breathe it in this morning, brothers and sisters. Don't let the heaviness. Jesus forgives you. Jesus wants to fill you. He wants to walk in an intimate place with you. He's ready to receive you. Nothing, there's nothing between you and him. He's taking care of it all. All you have to do is say, um, do you mind if I follow you? He'll say, come on. We love you, Lord. We worship you today, Jesus. We're so grateful for what you did on the cross for us. We know that all things have been placed under your feet. You are worthy to be worshipped, worthy to be followed. And we know you're coming again. Coming again for your church, the blood-bought church, the people of God. And we thank you now. And all God's people said, amen.